Welcome to Sleepy Hollow. Hello and welcome back to Welcome to Sleepy Hollow podcast, a podcast all about the Fox show Sleepy Hollow. My name is Sarah and I'm joined by Abby. Hello. Hello. If you want to contact us to weigh in at any of our discussion points, you can contact us at welcome to sleepy hollow at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at WTSH podcast and our Tumblr is welcome to sleepy hollow.tumblr.com with the number two, not the word. Happy Thanksgiving, Abby. Thank you. Actually, it's okay. That's yes. <laughs> <laughs> this week, I am thankful for schedules that actually work. <laughs> We've just had crazy weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's literally like I'm super on edge right now because it's end of term two weeks, last two weeks of term for me. So I've got about seven papers due and four tests, finals. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. (laughs) Yeah. Lucky you. Let's just say that. that. Lucky you. I thankfully never have to sit another exam in my life because they don't examine you on how to teach, but I do have papers, so that sucks. I like papers more than tests. Yes, so do I. Definitely. (laughs) So, just, we apologize for not having an episode for uh, episode 8 of Sleepy Hollow, but we just, crazy schedules, and we just couldn't get anything sorted. So, we're going to do them together. So, we're going to start with episode 8, and we're going to jump straight in without a recap because of reasons. So... (laughs) couple of points here. I'm going to start with my favorite point. Well, not favorite point, but the point I want to talk about most, which is Katrina and choosing between Ichabod and his quote-unquote best friend that we've never heard anything about or seen before. (laughs) This is very true. We have it. This is our first time. Uh, I, I just feel his insertion into the story would have been so much better even if we had seen him one episode ago just a mention but uh, it just he seemed to be put um, Abrahams that was his name he seemed to be put in almost just to add sort of last minute drama also the trope with her turning choosing between the two of them is so overdone like Fox, your writing has been so good up until now. What happened? Oh, whoa. (laughs) Um, Although, before I completely drown that episode in a shroud of negativity, I did like the way she took matters into her own hands. Like, no one is going to make me marry anyone who I don't love. Go on, girl. I agree, and... I'm going to double that and be like, that was awesome. But then I'm going to throw in a tidbit that kind of annoyed me. <clears throat> okay. I saw somebody's post. They meted 
about how significant this moment was in terms of marriages for women in that time and what you could and couldn't do. Um, and, you know, we're, I'm not from that time. I grew up in like a lady power household, single parent household. There were no guys. There is no court. There was, I didn't really grow up with like the courting thing at all, whether it be modern or past. And so for me, it wasn't this shocking moment. It was like, oh yeah, you're doing the thing. I know you're doing the thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when they, when this person met it about this, I went, holy crap. Like this is really significant for her. And again, like I, I think the last two episodes have kind of confirmed that again, Katrina's love is her weapon. And I felt like that was not made clear enough how awesome that was. Um, it was just kind of like, oh, I'm letting go of Abraham. And think about it like, okay, this sounds good. <laughs> like, I, I, I almost wish they would have played up on that a little more, you know. Yeah. And I just, another point on Katrina, you know, kick ass to hell with arranged marriages. Yeah, you go, girl. But how did she get from Quaker nurse to, like, nobility? That, that... I assume he, this Abraham's character, saw her and has elevated her status for his own benefit because I don't reckon it was appropriate for you to date someone, date, <laughs> court someone beneath, far, too far beneath your status. So I reckon he raised her up. But it would have been nice, I don't know, to see a hint of that. It was just, I am a Quaker nurse. Now I'm wearing diamonds. <laughs> How how did we get that from... sounded like that sounded like an old spice commercial. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was like that. It didn't make any sense. Like an old spice commercial. Um, I agree with you. I think there were a lot of fans who had questions about <laughs> like we've seen Katrina in three different lights. We've seen her as a nurse, we have seen her as a Quaker, and we have seen her as part of nobility. And it's there's not any like continuity line <laughs> that's happening here, and I think that you know I'm gonna say this thing publicly. I've said it before on my personal Tumblr, and it's very hard for me to say. <laughs> I want people to understand this because I didn't want this to be what I thought it was, and I don't think it will stay this way. Hopefully not. Um, but it feels very much like Katrina's story is a plot device for Ichabod. Yeah. Um, and that's why people are like, well, how come she's this in one scene and not this in another? And what happened in between there? And and obviously, you know, Ichabod's our main, our main male character and we have to develop him. But Katrina is such a part of his life and, and knowing who he is and not being able to see kind of how they develop, just kind of getting these very broad snippets of what's supposed to be epic and um it it's it's hard to believe in that um because one half of that duo is just kind of existing for the other person um and i don't think i saw i've seen the promo for 110 i don't think that will be the case anymore um but we've talked about this before timing like when are writers deciding to develop something and when aren't they deciding to develop something and how do they put it in? Um, and I, and I'm not sure that this was a plus work 
for either one of them, but um, first rule of fandom prayer we should keep in mind while we're doing this entire podcast. Uh, grant me the strength to accept the plot lines I cannot change. Because <laughs> you can't change it, and so you kind of have to just move, acknowledge it, say what you like, what you don't like, and then just be like, let's skip better, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Here, Constructive criticism. Yeah. Right. You know, you, you did the thing, we didn't like the thing, we can't change the thing, move on from the thing. So. <laughs> yes. So, Katrina. Yeah. You could do better. Um, yes, it, like, right, the uh, writers, not Katrina, the character, because I thought yeah. she she did, she was fine, ish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think also the love story. While we're here, before we drop Abraham, um, there were people that said it was a love triangle, and I was like, no, mm, I'm not sure that it is because uh, people are really afraid of love triangles. I'm definitely afraid of them. Too many of my shows have been eaten up, um, and we have some really good. Um, female writing on this show and so that's always in everybody's it's always in their back of their mind like is this gonna go away are they just gonna devolve to love interest for the guys um and i don't think this was a love triangle because the love triangle was established after headless was dead also he can't talk (laughs) and it's vital part of a love triangle um for the pining and the do i love you do i love this other person for that person to be able to talk and he literally can't do it like at one point Inkabob was looking inside his neck innards they needed andy <laughs> to like talk for him so i don't think i don't think that this is a love triangle i think it was a it was a plot device used appropriately by the actually by the way a person wasn't a plot device a thing was an actual plot device kind of so yeah. i think that was good yeah i agree with that and I think, you know, because we've seen and we know that Ichabod and Katrina end up together, there's no really, oh, will they, won't they? It's 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 not a triangle in any sense of it. So, yeah, I agree with that. Also, though, while we're on Headless and looking into his neck innards, how did he hear? How? <laughs> I know he used Andy to talk, but how can he hear him? I'm just assuming that Andy was his vessel. Like, Andy's head was his vessel. That I'm just assuming that, that. That's how that worked. But if he's, like, chasing people and they make a noise, he'll turn his body. It's like, oh my you God. have no ears! <laughs> Maybe it's, like, a magical, like, non-existent. I don't know. But he's dead and he carries a machine gun. And lots of weird things happen on the show. So... Even though he doesn't have ears, maybe he has, like, feelers. Maybe he's, like, an animal, and he's, like, grown things. He can, like, like feel can, like, the sound waves. sense the sound waves. Maybe he can sense the sound waves. He's a There's bat. a lot of weird stuff on this show. <laughs> or a dolphin. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. You're right. He does turn when things make noises. Mm. Uh, it's, it's the biology teacher in me. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> It's like when Andy's neck snapped backwards. No, biology doesn't work like that. Oh, I know. I was like, it should have came off. Why did it go like that? Okay. So. <laughs> it was kind of gross. Yeah. So, still touching on Headless or Abraham's, as we find out, what did you make of his friends turning out to be Headless? 
okay, first of all, there were people that called this. I love this fandom because there's always those people who are like, I know the thing. I think I figured it out. And they share it. And everybody's like, no, 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 no. And then we come back and we find out that it's this. And I'm like, God, we're so great. Our fandom's so great. We have those people that are very perceptive. And I really liked that they, I liked that they tied that in and made it very personal for Ichabod because I feel like the world of the show, the actual reality of the show, and and the majority of the relationships are all Abby's. Um, we're kind of living in Abby's world. Um, and Ichabod was just kind of floating around in it for a while until this happened. And this really, for me, solidified that Ichabod is inherently connected to the mythology of the show. Like, this is what they add. This is the two things that when you put them together, this is kind of how their duo works. That Ichabod knows all these things and he has this implicit connection to Headless, um, which actually raises his stakes in it quite a bit more. And then we have Abby, um, who I'm not sure her her stakes are as high as Ichabod's right now, and I would like to see them raise a little bit, um, but it might be. We don't know what's coming, but it might be. And, you know, she has... She gives us all of these rich interactions and all these rich relationships, whether it be with Ichabod or be what we had with Corbin or Jenny or Frank or Luke or Andy, what we got. And we got a little bit of that in this episode. Um, So there's kind of a balance now. And I, and I like that that connection was there. So when you say the fandom called it, they said before we were introduced, because we only got the introduction of his best friend, this episode, they, these people, um, I assume on Tumblr, were like, oh, I bet it's a friend of Ichabod's. Yeah, they saw the sneak peeks, they saw the promos, and they went, he knows Ichabod. Like, how much you want to bet? It was Ich... Well, they pulled it back also to the original story. Um, so the show is taking a little bit of what was there and a little and kind of reimagining some of that. But yeah, they, they pulled from the promo sneak peeks and then what they'd already known of the actual Sleepy Hollow um, short story and kind of ran with that and we're right about it good for them they should give themselves a gold star for <laughs> ingenuity yes that's probably not the right word in in intu- intuition uh, intuition. Yeah. intuition okay so we you mentioned andy there we got a lot more of andy this episode than we have in quite a while uh, do do we he swings between two extremes. He swings between the Abby, I'm not bad. I'm sorry, I'm not bad. And then he does the bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do we think he's telling the truth whenever he's apologizing, or is he just covering his tracks? I think you know. <laughs> I was very hesitant about Andy. Um, I do think, though, and I felt this I from the beginning. Um, I've never liked the fact that he hit Abby upside the head. Like that was like the that was like the betrayal moment for John Cho. Um, but I think that what we saw was a man who is driven by desperation um, and a care for somebody. And I think for some people this feels weird and it feels extremely creepy because we haven't seen what Andy and Abby were like prior to him doing all of this stuff. Like, we just saw him feeling compelled to protect her. Um, But 
I, I was watching this and, and kind of reading fandom reaction and what the initial reaction was kind of like 50% of the fandom really felt bad for Andy. Um, and I, and I kind of looked at his development and looked at how people were reacting and I kind of just tagged him on, maybe not as an, I mean, he is an antagonist, depending on who you're looking at. He is very much an antagonist, but he's also a nominal hero in this episode. And um, nominal heroes are heroes who are not um, guided explicitly by like moral values. They are guided by specific things. And one of those things can be the love or care for another person. Um, and I feel like if you're if you're excluding some of the stuff that we've seen in the past, if you look specifically at Andy this episode, <clears throat> he very much did come across as a nominal hero. He's a man that does not have control of what's happening to him. He felt immense amounts of remorse, and all of these things that he had done were to protect Abby. Um, they ended up hurting Abby, and now he has to forever, ever after, in his dead state, live with this. Um, does it make up for what he did? Not really. Um, but it gives him layers um, in a way that I think Abraham also got layers when Ichabod was like, oh, hey, bro, I'm taking your girl. Can you give me your blessing? <laughs> and everybody was like, whoa, whoa, no, Ichabod. Wrong time. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> like, it was, it was, Abraham got some depth and, and some sympathy because there were other things going on that kind of influenced what was happening. And I feel like that's what was happening with Andy. Um, I think he's a bad guy. And and not necessarily because he wants to be, but, but, be, but because he is. Because his circumstance is, he even says this in the tunnels. Um, it, it's it's he's standing there and he's like, don't, do not bring me in there. Don't do this. This is a really bad idea. Um, <laughs> and now he's kind of like, oh, let me touch that weird hole in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> and Ichabod's standing and hovering in the background. And Ichabod does something really great in this moment. I think it was the first time I had actually seen bad Ichabod. And when I say bad Ichabod, I mean flawed Ichabod. In this scene, you watch Ichabod. You know, Abby's playing it, but Ichabod's being very calculated. And he's gauging the emotions of both Abby and Andy and what's going on. And right before Abby seems to... <clears throat> almost give in a little bit he swoops right in and he says let's go and you can see and like this is probably my favorite episode in terms of tom i think tom did a fantastic job this episode um that it's just this split moment where you see that ichabod is clearly the manipulator in the situation and he's making sure that he stays in control um and this is the interrogator ichabod that we're seeing, that I wish we would have seen in 106. <laughs> um, so it was, you had Andy, and I think that kind of also layered onto Andy's um, sympathetic storyline. Um, what Ichabod was doing, and, and how Andy was just like, please don't do this thing, because it can end up really badly. Um, so yeah, Andy's bad, but not so bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't really catch the the subtleness 
of Tom, which I, I don't know, it could be a reflection on how tired I am when I'm watching these episodes. But uh, that's, but I'm, I'm glad it was there because I did notice him in his interrogation role this episode, and I agree, it's totally something we should have seen earlier in the season. But he was uh, using a lot of words and a lot of fancy interrogator language. Do you think if we had seen it in episode six, this is the interrogation he would have given, or do you think this is something he's learned? since then and he in the past where he would have used physical force do you think he's always been a wordsmith or yeah i think that's kind of what makes i mean even in the scene in 106 when he's torturing he's not actually beating the guy yeah (laughs) which just confirms for me that that's not how ichabod works i mean i you know i do like this for as much as I had problems with some of this, I really loved that I got to see this side of Ichabod because while he was in control, it was very attractive and gave him the depth that he needed. And when I when I say I wish I would have seen this in 106, I mean I wish this entire Abraham thing would have actually been the Sin storyline. Um, it parallels a lot better with Abby's. Um, this idea of betrayal for preservation of self. And whether or not preservation of self is wrong or right, I think that shows. I think the show has been playing with this a little bit, um, and it's. And I think that Ichabod had every right to love Katrina. Um, I don't know if I agree with the way he went about it, <laughs> like Abraham, but it creates this wonderful conflict. Um, and the Ichabod that we saw up until his breaking point. Um, was an Ichabod that I was very excited to have. And and I really wish, for the sake of the, the character's development, would have been there sooner. Because I think there was a bit of backlash, but t- particularly about these two episodes, um, that would not have occurred had they seized the opportunity in 106 to do this. Yeah, I totally agree. If for example Abraham had been a fellow soldier that turned and just even one line of introduction that they were friends and one line of oh this this Quaker is is good looking I think I will you know that would have foreshadowed so well what went on in this episode and it wouldn't have been a surprise to us that Ichabod had a best friend (laughs) or that that Ichabod even had a, a dark side yeah um because he was, I mean, I want people to, I know people are like, oh, Ichabod, you're so cool. But this is drastically different than the Ichabod we've seen. I want to note that, that this is, it's cool because we like Ichabod. Um, and this is kind of part of his swag. Like, each of the characters has, like, their own swag repertoire. And this is kind of part of his. Um, he's not really, like a like, a fighter fighter. I mean, yes, he does fight sword fights. But that's not what we like. We like when Ichabod yells at neck innards and is you know like a smart ass with neck innards that's what we like we're like ooh, yes think about do the thing um and i think that we liked it and i'll say this i think we liked it until it hit a little close to home and maybe we'll talk about that but um yeah i just i really wish i would have seen this in 106 because I would have been like, oh, Ichabod, okay, you have you have a sin to feel bad about. Yeah. <laughs> Buddy, I understand. <laughs> like, okay, you've grown. You've grown. But, you know, also that 
we are still who we are mm-hmm. and we never lose those parts of us. So it reemerging in this interrogation with headless seems almost natural. Um, yeah. I just, I wish it would have been earlier. <laughs> yeah. And I, he, he has a, whenever he was interrogating, he had a sort of arrogance about him. Like I know I'm, I'm beating you over with my words right now. Very, very yeah. sexy. Yeah, he was quite the <laughs> he was quite the manipulator and quite for some time in control in a way that we haven't seen Ichabod in control. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Um, before we move on to the the last point for that episode, do you have anything else that you want to talk about? Um. I want to talk about the moment that a lot of the fandom it may have or may not have split the fandom. <laughs> um, when Ichabod yells at Abby, I want with I don't even want. At first, my natural response was he yelled at her, but the more I watched it, it's really complicated. It's really complicated. I first of all, I want to know how you felt about the moment. <laughs> this is gonna. <laughs> look really bad when did he yell at her oh my oh you've just lit my god so they're at the end okay and um (laughs) they ichabod is getting ready to like go back in there he's like i want to go back in there and he's like bruh you need to have a seat because you are emotionally compromised right now and you know better and we are both yes 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 better in this field and he goes, I'm in control! And everybody just, like, goes... No, you're not. Like, okay, I saw I saw a screener. I saw a screener. So I watched this before everybody else. And when I watched it, I literally, my eyes were the biggest they've probably ever been. And my jaw was on the ground for, like, two minutes after it happened. Because I could not... I could believe that Ichabod would yell. I could not believe that he would yell at Abby. Um, and, and this is complicated and, and lots of people have different opinions about it, but what was yours? Well, the surest way to demonstrate to someone that you are not in control is to yell at them. (laughs) So, but I think it's just showing us uh, just further development of how frustrated Ichabod as a character is getting with everything that he's he's at the point where even his closest friends and allies are, you know, targets for his anger. Okay. I think that's really good. I want to talk about why for me, this missed the mark because I understand exactly what you're saying. I think that's exactly what the point was, but I don't think it hit everybody the way it was supposed to. I'm going to go back to 106 again. We built Abby. During the first, I guess, half of the season. This is what it was about. And Abby's big turning point was 106. But there was also a line in 106. This kind of whole moment between them that solidified something for me. Um, Ichabod says, I'll listen to you. This <laughs> did a lot of things that I think would not have had such a negative impact in fandom or in terms of fan response, if it had happened or both Abby and Ichabod had developed together. I think that as somebody who hasn't had a lot of positive male role models in my life, there have been very, very few. I'm like, I'm talking to. 
Um, and so you build these bonds, these very close protective bonds. And that's kind of the bond that I had built with Ichabod through Abby. I trusted Ichabod um, in a way that I trusted no other man on the show um, because of 106. And this moment wasn't just about Ichabod's development. It was about how it affected Abby and Abby's choice. And I kind of felt like <clears throat> it was a, it was a bit like finding somebody that you love and you think they're perfect and then you get married and then you find out they're, they're a completely different person. <laughs> um, and I just, there was a bit of a betrayal that I don't think should have been there or needed to be there because of the fact that 106 happened before this happened. Um, I think it's the only reason that I reacted the way I did. Um, because I, I've truly advocated for more Ichabod development. You, you know that. Yeah. And I've, I've wanted to see this flawed side of him, but I'm not sure <clears throat> if this was timed right. It, it's sort of, Abby is a very complex character and her, she has trouble trusting people. And I think she's just kind of opened up to Ichabod and now he's kind of turned on her. And I think it's, not sure how to. It's like really complicated because you're really dealing with two very complex characters who are both going through development, and this is why I think development is very important because I almost feel like Ichabod got gypped in a way of us fully feeling for him. I know for me, because I was too busy concentrating on the fact that he, out of all the people that he could have chose to yell at, yeah, <laughs> he yelled at the one person who was doing everything to help her. And then somebody gift the scene. And I, that was just their faces. I just want to talk about how brilliant, like to the point where I want to cry, brilliant Tom and Nicole are. Just like, I was like, oh God. Like I felt this moment when I watched the scene gift that Ichabod just has a slow rise and he realizes what he's done. And you see the horror on his face. But you also see this, this wall on Abby's face, the wall that I didn't want to see with her, with Ichabod. And she kind of takes it in, bucks it up, <laughs> and then walks away. And there's, like the scene, I guess at the end would be sort of a resolution, but it wasn't because Ichabod had two plot development episodes. I mean, character development episodes. It was this one, and then the resolution came at the end of 109. So it was kind of just like this stagnant thing between them. Um, I think it was great for Ichabod's development. I think it might have hurt duo development. I I don't disagree, but you, I think it's very telling of how much Ichabod cares about her because you tend to lash out at the people who you're closest to. Like, you, you tend to get to a point uh, where you're you're comfortable with people that you forget almost the, I, I know what you're saying yeah. I do I kept relating this relationship that Abby Nicobot had with a friend of mine um, she's actually at MIU right now and we were uh, college roommates and we both share things in common with Abby Nicobot it's not like I'm Nicobot and then she's Abby or vice versa but I just kept thinking when I watched this because 
because the lashing out, oh my God, Sarah, I relate to Ichabod <laughs> in this, <laughs> this realm so well, so well. And I just kept thinking, and again, like for me, it was the timing. It was the timing thing because if this had happened before 106, I'd have been like, oh my God, Ichabod, trust her. And instead, it was like, I kept thinking about my friend Victoria and how much she centers me and, and kept me emotionally grounded. And I just kept thinking, like, if I had lashed out at her, I would have been hurting myself. Mm-hmm. And it was just this, I don't dislike Ichabod's development here. I think it was perfect. I wish it would have, like, 106 would have happened after all of this. because it would have been allowed us to focus inherently on the characters and the relationship building because I do think that Ichabod lashing out is relationship building yeah definitely so before we move on to the last point again because I totally forgot to mention this earlier but Irving and Jenny what a (laughs) badass couple oh my god let them make out (laughs) (laughs) no Like, this is my first non-contact ship. I knew it. I just knew it on my insides that when it happened, it was going to be fab. It was fab. Like, they, they're opposing personalities, but their skill set in fighting made them, I think, in my opinion, the second best duo in the series. Oh, definitely. I, my, my favorite part was whenever she tells him that she used to used to work for the antique dealer in acquiring antiquities and he's like what do you mean by acquiring and she just gives him a bitch please (laughs) (laughs) oh man and there's like so much like they just go back and forth with each other and you know like frank is so used to control right and having order and having people listen to him and jenny's just like fuck you (laughs) (laughs) we have to do i can handle myself buddy i have been doing this way longer than you even knew that this was a thing like go take care of your business i'll take care of mine but it's also not this inherent disrespect thing it's just this they they operate with two different codes um and it was it was fun to see Irving getting upset with Jenny, like, and her just not care at all. It was it was so great. It was so great. And we've already touched on Jenny's character before a little bit, but I thought it was very good that they kind of kept her character because we we haven't seen very much of her, so it's easily to sort of lose the threads of who a character is whenever they only come up occasionally. But I I find it very good because she was still that sort of cheeky flirty person that we saw i think back in episode three or four mm-hmm. with ichabod yeah. and, and and even even more so in the next episode but we'll we'll talk about that whenever we get to nine i just want to mention my favorite funny moment of episode eight was that the very start where abby's like this this is a fist hold out your fist we are gonna fist oh. bump and oh. then oh. <laughs> she she Shows him how to fist bump, and he's like, yeah, I totally get it. Nope, don't understand it at all. Not even going to pretend. I cannot, I mean, like, they have a buddy cop thing going on, right? And obviously, for some people, it's more. Yeah. <clears throat> um, <laughs> but I just, God, like, I really hate Dominic Cole. <laughs> like, because, like, like I said, I have this moment where I'm like, Ichabod, Abby, what is happening? And then you get this really beautiful like silly moment 
at the beginning of the episode, and you just feel so attached to them. Like they're adorable. They're adorable together, and you see, you see this connect. I don't even know, man. It's gonna make me cry. I just so it was a fist bump, but it was way more than a fist bump. Yeah. Uh, and they seem to be that way off camera as well. They just are two adorable idiots. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> I hate, I mean love, I mean love. <laughs> yeah. Th- those two words coincide very often in fandom. I think my funny moment was when they were walking in the tunnel. Nope, it's this way. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, you're so used to seeing... It could like I said, be in control, and you just at this moment where he's totally out of it. You're like, you're like, oh, okay, Ichabod's going to do the thing. It was a very serious moment. He was going to do the thing, and then he was like, nope, wrong way. <laughs> this is the way we're supposed to go. And I appreciate that. Like, I do that. We can have these moments where they're really tense, and you can ease the tension with comedy. You can cut it with comedy, and I think that was a nice little touch. <laughs> to that scene it was great and it's always deadpan comedy <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah like no nobody in the episode find it funny but we're all sitting going oh my god what is air yeah pretty much pretty much i mean and i, th- I think you said this before um when we were just talking that it's very scooby-doo yeah <laughs> these two episodes were very Scooby-Doo in a lot of ways, but this moment more so was, and I love Scooby-Doo, so I was like, oh, hey, I see it. Okay, so I think we've we've covered episode eight. We now move on to episode nine. So much to talk about in this. Again, with the sort of Scooby-Doo aspect, I, I didn't like it quite as much. I thought this one was bordering on silly, like, I, I was I was just waiting for the Benny Hill theme to cut in. We have to talk about the we have to talk about the wall moment. They oh, we give me your hand, about- give me your hand. <laughs> Oops, wrong hand. Yeah, I had multiple emotions about that hand thing, <laughs> particularly with what happened before the hand. It was kind of like laughter, and that's what you get. Um. But yeah, that hand thing was priceless. That was priceless. Yeah. What did you think about the monster this episode? Did you believe his scariness? Or was it like me and I just felt it was a bit cartoonish? What did you think of him? <laughs> I think it was a bit both. I, You know, I don't think that the haunted house was as scary as it should have been. Like, I feel like there were other episodes where I was like, do you remember Cyrilda? From the first, the, like the monster, the, the witch. The fire witch. Was that not episode yeah. two? Yes. yes. And then episode three with the Sandman. Okay, Sandman Much is still scarier. my favorite monster because they, they used, like, lighting effectively. Like, I feel like this was very scooby It was like, turn the lights on. Oh, we're holding the monster's hand. Like, it wasn't effectively scary. The house made creaky noises, and Abby was really what made me believe any of it was scary because she was scared yes. and we don't we haven't really seen Abby be scared before like she was like dude bro this is not okay we need to get out of this house right now and I'm like yes yes do the thing get out of the house do not stay in this house um and I I will say though that I really liked the roots 
the concept that the roots bleed. Yeah, the, the, I find the concept quite interesting, and I I get that you know Abby was scared, but I I find even the camera angles a bit jolty, a bit Blair Witch in moments. Yeah, very much so. And but I mean, I didn't think it worked to the right effect. I think if they had wanted it to be very raw, then it should have been like that the whole episodes. But we had our big cinematic shots spliced in with jumpy camera. Okay. I think it it would have worked better if they'd stuck to the same style throughout. I I feel like. If less time was spent running through the house. <laughs> running through the quite small house. House, yeah. Um, there was a, there was a lot of running. <laughs> and Ichabod getting up in Abby's face space. Yes. Um, that moment, I was like, the minute he did that, I was like, this reminds me of when they were at the Masons and Abby, like, grabbed his shoulder. Except that I, I'm, like, I love Ichabod and I think Ichabod is wonderful. But I was like... Does this? Does he? He brushes his teeth, right? <laughs> no, I, I. This is a legit question. This isn't me trying to be funny. Because when it happened, I was like, "Whoa, Ichabod, space, space!" And then I was like, "Whoa, the the face that Abby made, <laughs> how she pulled back." I was like, "Okay, maybe she was just startled, or maybe his breath was a little, just kicking a little bit." Well. He, he does come from a time when a tooth... Although they did buy a toothbrush in one scene, did they not? Earlier in the series. Okay, so I'll check it off my list. Ichabod doesn't have bad breath. Okay. <laughs> I think that I think it's like more... An, Abby has issues with people suddenly being close to her. Close to her? Oh, God. I understand this, Abby. <laughs> Me, you, we are united. Um, But I, it was that, and then there were like the hand-grabby moments, and then it was just them running through the house and with like Abby's little legs and Ichabod's really big legs. <laughs> That's what stood out to me the most. It is very funny watching them run beside each other because when they're standing talking, they can usually do something clever with the camera angles that they don't look like there's such a height difference. But when you have them running together and you have them both in the same shot, it's like, <laughs> she's tiny. <laughs> it's really cute though. It- but yeah, it was. I don't know. It was. Did you like? Did you feel like they effectively used the time? I felt it was a bit too much running. I think, um, although it, I think it, it broke it up because it had the flashbacks in between. It broke it up nicely, but it, it was bordering on too much running through through the house that's not big enough to for that much running. Uh, I, f- I feel like I'm very negative about it but i'm not i just want to clarify that i do still absolutely adore this show yeah i think it's like i said like i feel we've talked about this before that when something is off on this show it sticks out way more than it does in other shows and like and i and i feel like it's okay to be a little critical of the show because let's not forget this is a baby show like it's in its first season, and I don't think I've... I watch a lot of, like, 13-episode shows, and I'm not sure I've actually seen a procedural serial crossover. Um, they're battling telling serial storylines within very procedural structures. So episode to episode, they have a new case. Um, and I think we saw a little bit of it not working well. 
in this episode. Yeah. I think that's what people are like, oh, this felt off. Um, and they're allowed to be off. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's all negativity. I think it's just like, wow, we've had, this has been like so amazing <laughs> up to this point that like this thing isn't feeling right. And whoa, that's weird. You know. Something I noticed when they were running through the house, uh, whenever they burst through the wall into that one room and there was a rocking chair is that the same house in the same room that katrina brought abby to in her vision i think so i yeah it looked like it the rocking chair i went wow that rocking chair looks really familiar and then i was like (laughs) that looked like katrina's rocking chair her echo house rocking chair yeah Um, and and that leads so nicely into the comment I made, I not to bask in my own glory or anything, <laughs> but I and I made a comment that there's a crib there, there's a baby crying. I wonder if Katrina had a baby. Boom! Ding a ling a ling a ling. <laughs> okay, I was watching this, and when I when I saw Abby walking up in the scene in the flashback. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, Sarah did the thing. And then I was like, maybe she did it, maybe she did it, maybe they're just tricking us. And then I heard Katia's voice. And I went, I literally keyboard smashed and shouted, there's a baby! Oh. I was like, it was like the biggest revelation. And there have been a lot of revelations. And like even actual Bible revelations in the show. And this was the biggest one for me. I was like, oh my god, there was a baby. Yes, which leaves oh, and it leaves open so much more possibilities to who is connected to Ichabod in present Sleepy Hollow. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just it was kind of predictable. Like whenever you heard that, you know, they were fussing around the woman that was having a baby. You're like, oh, it's Katrina. Oh, it's Katrina. It's so Katrina. But uh, just Ichabod's face, okay? When Abby tells him that there was a baby, his face. Tom Meissen, you A++ actor. (laughs) This scene was actually, I had, I watched this episode like seven times, like not even kidding. (laughs) Because I just, I didn't feel like it was getting everything. And the way they do subtle development on this show, it's really like the actors. I want to point out how well Nicole and Tom do this because if you're not paying attention, you're missing a lot. Um, and this scene between them, it was the first time I had saw Abby do actual quiet strength with Ichabod. Um, and when Tom made his face, it was the first time I'd actually seen Tom Meissen as Ichabod. Yeah. I was like, whoa. That's... <laughs> there's a man in there that I know. <laughs> and it's not... It, it was very... It was like... And I think that worked well for the scene because it was... a. It was That was like... That was Ichabod's game-changing moment. Like, that was it. If he had a development term... Yeah. It was that moment. And so we literally saw a side of Ichabod that we had not seen before. And actually for both Abby and Ichabod, holy crap. Like, I love them. Like, let's put them on thrones and carry them around all the time. <laughs> I, it's just his face, whenever, whenever she was telling him, you could see him, you could see what was going through his head. The exact sentences, it was, 
Oh my god, is this true? Oh my god, I have a son. Oh my god, my son is dead and has been dead for a long time. You know, you could see that whole arc in his face. It was just, oh, let me love you. <laughs> it was, there was there was a lot. There was this almost like elation, and then there was like this disbelief, and then there was this realization, there was sadness, and then there was like desperation. Yeah. Like, I need to know more about this. Um, and it happened like like a minute, a minute. There were all of these things. Like, this is what good ass is it. Um, <laughs> it, I think that because TV, the nature of TV, we often think it's very fun and interactive, but writing and acting are art. Um, the same way that when you go to a gallery, it is art. Mm-hmm. And <sighs> the small scenes between Tom and Nicole this episode for Ichabod's development were absolute art. Definitely agree. Like, you know, the, the action sequences were a bit comedic, but the actual acting acting was uh-huh. amazing especially that last scene with them sitting down talking about thanksgiving I, just because we're on that scene I, i'll mention just briefly oh my god ichabod's hair there it was mentioned uh, <laughs> you know he has a hair blog he what he has a hair blog and they also tag things about his eyebrows <sighs> Like, and it's fantastic. Why? Because we always need more eyebrow quirking and talking about Ichabod's fantastic hair. Like, we just need more of this. Also, Abby's hair was like a good super fly. I Her mean, hair like, looked gorgeous. It, it was like... Laid out. <laughs> I was like, ooh, girl. Do you think? Yeah. And, and I understand from watching many, many, many series of... America's Next Top Model, not that I'm going to ad- admit to that very readily, but that uh, it's not easy to do very pretty things with African-American hair. It can be quite it, troublesome sometimes. I think it's it's a combination of uh, you're working well when you're trying to get it straight. Um there's obviously natural hair textures. Yeah. Um, and, and Nicole's working off of, I don't think we're sure what, if she's working off of a wig or extensions. <laughs> um, I, my guess is extensions. Um, and you have to, there's a process to it. Um, you know, you're perming. Um, you can either, you know, straighten or you can just press. Um, <laughs> and like, Black hair is an art. (laughs) And I just want to applaud the team for getting her hair looking like a goddess because you notice a distinct change between Abby earlier in the season and now. Um, And it is, it's it's a process. It's a long, being a girl who does it. (laughs) It's a long and difficult process. Um, And they've done a really nice job with with her hair. We are critiquing the hair of our characters right now. This is a legit thing that we're doing. <laughs> yes, yes, this is a thing that we are doing. We the we it's one of the first things we've talked about this episode. <laughs> Our podcast is falling apart. <laughs> yes. It is. <laughs> Man the lifeboat, she's going down. <laughs> uh but yeah, it, his he looked 
And when he did the little whiskey thing, when he was like, just a little more, yeah, and I was like, oh, stop it. You're so cute. It's like, it's like, I need to be just a little bit more drunk to cope with all this shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, although I have very much got convictions, not where is my English today? <sighs> my brain is just melting out my ears. <laughs> Although I have problems with the wood monster, whenever he had the heiress by the throat towards the end, and we were sort of getting flashes by the torch of his actual face, I thought that was quite scary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I loved the moment when Ichabod is like, I'm going to fuck you up. And he goes in, and the lighting of this scene and how this monster goes in and out. Like, the A++ to the lighting department on this show. Um, because they are not... This show doesn't really deal with special effects a lot with yeah. these monsters. So it has to create scary in a very practical way. And they built this magnificent set um, and this aura, and then they just had this monster let, they just let it loose in this room, and it was quite fantastic to watch it, like, in its element, like, like, darting around and, like, crying and all that, it was fun. Under this red light of the flare, which, which is yeah. totally what Abby would have had in her boot, she, they all have those red police flares, uh-huh. so, and then with the red blood as well coming off as he hacked it to pieces I, I think Ichabod needed that moment of just I need to fuck shit up I, yeah I think it, <laughs> and I think it was, scary. it was scary it was definitely scary And but we saw I think in the final scene we saw the fallout from that he was emotionally drained but I think he's got to that point now where he can start to build himself back up in a more positive way. Thank God. So that he can channel his confusion at, at being in this unfamiliar place to a more positive track. I think we've had that point. Like, like I have this point just every year that I've been in education, you know, it gets to the point probably before exams where you just kind of have a little bit of a meltdown and then after the meltdown's over, you positively work towards studying for your exams. And I think that's kind of what he's going to work towards now. He's going to work towards positivity and positively moving himself forward to sort things out. And sort things out with smarts rather than with hacking things. And being emotionally compromised? And being emotionally wanna... compromised and yelling <sighs> at Abby. Well, I... the thing... <laughs> He did it again. Do not follow me in. I want to talk about a couple things about this moment of him going in. Um, first of all, he tells her, do not follow him. Um, and I know the first time I watched it, I was like, whoa, bro, calm yourself, jerk. <laughs> but then I watched it again, and I went, he's protecting Abby. Yeah. Because if she goes in there, <laughs> his mind is going to be on her and not on what he needs to do. But then it just kind of rolled into this moment where I was like, okay, so let's go back to the Sandman and compare how Abby handled her issue and how Ichabod is handling her monster right, uh, his monster right now. He went at this alone, <laughs> which I think was a really bad idea. 
And I think it was a bad idea, not in terms of his development, but if he died, <laughs> we would be down a witness. AKA yeah. bring on the apocalypse. Um, and I think that I admire his protecting Abby in this moment. I admire Abby listening to him. But before she listened to him, you could see how scared she was. She was freaking out. She was like, Igabod, Igabod, come on. We got to get back in the car. Relax, dude. Relax. We have to go back. And he wasn't listening. And again, I go back to this 106. I'll listen. <laughs> and he wasn't. And I do think that's important. I think that's part of his development. Um, and I think that's what part of this was about. But I was a little angry at Ichabod for doing this. And <laughs> it wasn't because I was angry. I was like, dude, you need to take care of your shit. Like, I understood that. <laughs> it's like, when he went in there, I was like, I know what he's going in there. People were like, it's for his baby. It's for his wife. I said, it's for him. Because Abby realized, you know, Abby spent God knows how long going from foster home to foster home. Her dad and her mother abandoned her. She was probably living with people like the foster parent that we saw. She lost her sister because this demon decided to pop up and be a part of her fate. And she was separated from her sister. She was clearly a juvenile delinquent. And if you don't know what that is, like, you're doing a lot of, there's a lot of dangerous stuff involved with that. Um, And these kids are... They don't have places. They don't have safe spaces. This doesn't belong to them anymore. This demon fucked up Abby's life. And what we were seeing in this episode was how much, even after 250 years, that demon had fucked up Ichabod's life. And he was pissed. Right? And he was, this was his moment of saying, F you. Like, no more. No more. I am done being your victim. And I thought that was wonderful to see. But I I know this is a part of Ichabod's development. But somebody made a post on Tumblr about this. Um, about the fact that Abby wasn't there. And how for the, the first half of the season, Abby has kind of been our eyes. Because the development has been about her. It's been moving her forward. And so we've kind of gotten into the rhythm of, at least I have, seeing things through her eyes. And I feel like this was a missed opportunity, like 106, for Abby to see Ichabod the way he is, at his worst, and accept him for who he is. I agree. Um, And I think that's the beauty of the relationship, is that they both have issues. They have them. They're clear. But they still even after maybe only knowing each other for a couple months, after fate weirdly throwing them together, that they will still fight and die for each other. Yeah. And and that was a really big moment, not just for Ichabod and being who he is, but it could have been a really big moment for Abby. And I was like, damn. <laughs> the duo, I felt very much like the duo development was not as strong in Ichabod's half. Of the, of the development part of the season versus Abby's. It, that just stood out to me. I think also, if we ever get in this series or the next, another moment where Ichabod's just like, hand me the pointy thing, I will deal with this. Abby is going to be quite shocked and maybe even a little thrown by how angry and violent he can be. Cause I, I think she was that in this episode a little. 
Yeah, but she didn't see the worst bit. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, if I was in that room, I would have been absolutely terrified of him. And, you know, I it's probably for the best that she didn't see him because although if she'd seen him, she probably would have eventually got over it. I think it would have hurt them even more. I think they would have taken another step backwards from that yelling incident in 108. I think that it would have pushed it a step backwards, and another step backwards, sorry, because, yeah, I think Abby would have been downright terrified of him. I I don't know. I, I, I think there is... A, when you see the face of someone that you care about, they say that we have three faces. We have the faces that we present to the world, we have the face that we present to our friends, and then we have our own face that we never show anybody. That was the face that we... That was Ichabod's face. That's what we saw with the monster. Mm-hmm. And for them to do this, I mean, this is the, I know it isn't just a TV show, but they're going to save the damn world. <laughs> like, and they're going to be like fighting really scary things together. And I feel like in 104, um, or was it 103? It, I think it was, no, it was both actually. It was both. It was 103 and 104. Um, Ichabod got to see the really bad side of Abby. Um, I just keep going back to that moment where I knew I was going to trust Ichabod um, was when Abby was talking with the foster care mother and um, she basically threatens her and moves to like get up and like do some shit and Ichabod gets in between her and I went wow like that's silent strength that's what silent strength looks like. Um, Ichabod was protecting Abby, and I feel like if we didn't get, if I didn't get what I got in 106, Abby going in there and seeing that and not saying anything about it would have been her quiet strength. Um, I just, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure it would have put them back. I think that Abby's strong enough to, she, I, she, I think she's proven that. Ichabod has given her that kind of strength to accept these very scary realities. Um, but again, I'd also like to point out, this was not Abby development time. This was Ichabod development time, which is probably why we didn't see these things. Yes. Ich- yeah, Ichabod is... These last two episodes have definitely been Ichabod. Definitely. Uh, just moving on briefly. Again, we got some... Aside from the awesome, scary, not so scary haunted house, we had another Jenny and Irving interaction. And we were introduced to Irving's ex-wife, I'm going to say, and his child. Can I just say that I was... I know that this is going to sound awful. It's going to sound like I was happy that this character was this way but I was quite surprisingly pleased that the daughter was in a wheelchair I'm not a horrible person honestly you just very rarely see that kind of thing on TV it doesn't make you a horrible person that makes you whatever that makes you like everybody else in the fandom because I agree I was there are there were two things that I was begging to have in the show which is LGBTQA inclusion mm-hmm. and disability inclusion because disability inclusion is probably the most invisible um in in the film and tv mediums and i went oh man 
oh man, Macy's in a wheelchair. <gasps> she needs to be a part of the team because <laughs> clearly this is going to make the team one versus going to make it better and it's going to make it more diverse. But also, kids are braver and believe more than adults do. Yeah. These are people who have not been jaded. Like, I want us to just imagine this girl, like, taking shit on and and helping her dad and kind of being like this. Oh, I just, oh, and, oh, it was, Macy's perfect. And if you don't like Macy, we're not friends. I, I thought she was, I, I, I love, I like her. I love the actress. I'm so happy to see her in something else because um, she was amazing in The Hunger Games. Absolutely yeah. amazing in The Hunger Games. But, um... This, I thought they had their, her character down to an absolute T because she was a bit of a know-it-all teenager. Like, oh, my parents are awful and I'm going to pretend I'm cool for this <laughs> cool older girl who's um, probably going to get it on with my dad at some point. Uh, <laughs> and then Jenny was like, without saying these words, she was like, no, dude, I didn't have parents. You don't know how lucky you are. Respect them a wee bit more. Which I thought was very big coming from Jenny, even though she didn't use those words. I I have been wanting more Abby and Jenny scenes because I want more scenes between women that kind of feel like this and, and kind of deal with familial storylines, like family storylines. Um, but this scene was wonderful because it showed two girls who had been abandoned one who felt very emotionally abandoned due to a divorce and one who was physically and very much literally abandoned by almost everyone and they had this moment where i mean you can see a little bit of them in each other and they just shared this really deep moment and it, and the dialogue wasn't even super deep no but you know you saw Amanda's acting was superb you saw her talk about you know how she didn't care that her dad was there how it was better um and you saw that that was a front and Jenny saw herself um she saw the front and she was there for somebody who needed it when a lot of people haven't really been there for her and I thought, wow, look at this really short scene that just developed these two characters, like, immensely. Like, it, it was just like a flower just shot up from the ground and bloomed um, for both of them. And it just added layers to their characters that I thought was very lovely and wonderful and I want to see again. Yeah, it, that's clever writing, is when you can have that much development and that much deep conversation said in two very normal sentences like whatever you lacked in terms of scary monster you made up for in clever clever plot development and i i felt so so sorry for irving whenever the ex-wife was like look if you don't make an effort like right now right this second then she's mine she's all mine you're not gonna see her ever again and it's like, no, but you don't know what he's dealing with. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, again, I I feel like like I feel like some of the development in terms of Ichabod's mark was missed in this episode. I feel like they hit the mark 
with all four of these. Frank, Cynthia, Macy, and Jenny. Um, Frank's development. He has stakes. He has legitimate stakes. And they are not just about killing monsters. Because that is not what the show is just about. The beauty of the show to me is not the mythology. It's not all the, you know, the clever jokes or the fish out of water or Abby being this complex character. These are all pluses. The thing that makes this show very good is its character relationships. This is its, one of its best strengths. And we got to see years of a relationship in two minutes. We got to see the struggle of both a mother and a father to hold a family together. Um, we got to see a man who is literally fighting off the apocalypse, but is now also fighting to keep his kid. And it makes it that much more genuine, the writing, and it and it makes you root for these characters all the more. Because at the end of the day, when we're fighting the apocalypse, we're not just fighting to save the world. That's very vague. It's very detached. It's very an, it's an object thing. What we're saving, what we're fighting to save, is ourselves and the people that we care about. Um, and that, for me, was transposed very well into his little moment with Cynthia. What I also liked about that scene is how just realistic it was while at the same time being in this totally unrealistic world because of all the supernatural things because that tends to happen quite a lot you because I imagine this has been a problem for some time yet Frank has only been included in the supernatural part of Sleepy Hollow for I'd say about a week at most maybe two weeks but this seems to have been an ongoing problem with him and his wife these things happen in real life you have an opportunity to fix something but because the opportunity is there you kind of you're resting on your laurels and then whenever something comes up to prevent you from fixing it it has to be fixed or else i i I find that happens the the ultimatum comes when you can't really do anything about it this is this is what is called hero building. <laughs> I mean, these are very defining moments for characters. Yeah. Um, which is why I think that he needs to bring Macy in because if he brings Macy, I mean, like she doesn't, she shouldn't be fighting monsters, guys. Like, no, no, do not be having kids like wielding axes and chopping up like tree monsters slash scarecrow slash ends. We're not even sure what it is. I think it, I think Chitra said it was a scarecrow. Um, but I think that. If she's in this and knows, she can advocate for her dad. Do you know what I mean? And she won't feel so kind of set aside. And it's also something for them to bond over. Like, oh, hey, honey, I'm going to go kill this monster thing. Okay, dad, I'll have dinner ready when you get back. From, from killing the <laughs> monsters. <laughs> you know, like, it. I, I, I don't know if it's just me craving to have, like, this show focus on some kind of family storyline that isn't intrinsically linked to the myth of the show, um, the mythology of the show, but I just really loved, I really loved all their scenes. These scenes were fantastic. Yes. I I need to go and watch it again because I only saw it once and I only saw it yesterday because of reasons and life (laughs) and teenagers. Teenagers. Uh, I I hate teenagers. (laughs) Uh, yes, the teens. Why did I decide to become a teacher again? <laughs> no, it's it's 
you have good and bad days. I think, I think it's, it's the same with every job. But I think the good days, when they're good, they'll be better than the good days with any other kind of job. That's all. That's so nice. <laughs> so, it's just exhausting. But, yeah, so one more episode until the break. Am I right? Yes. Can we talk about one more thing before we go? Okay, yes, yes. Okay. Abby's connection to Ichabod. Oh, of course! <laughs> okay. Completely were you around? Were you, com- were you around when everybody was freaking out and they thought they were related? I think so. And we were, I mean, like, half the fandom was like, oh, no, our ship is sinking. And then, like, a, like a third of all of them were like, no, I'll still ship it. And then everybody else was like, no, guys, come on, come on. This is not going to be a thing. It wasn't a thing. It was. <laughs> they were not related, thank God. Um, but their connection is through Grace. And, and Grace was one of the freed slaves who was working at the estate of the friend of Katrina's. Um, and Grace helped deliver Ichabod's baby. Um, what did you think about that? I I just thought it made it so much clearer that I think anybody who has doubted up until this point that they are connected across, you know, it's it's not a coincidence that these two people are witnesses. They did not just happen to be witnesses. Whoever chose the witnesses did not go, right, I want... You will have you, and <coughs> and you. Okay, you 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 will be good. No, this has been in the works for centuries. Yeah, centuries, like centuries. And and their moment at the end kind of just acknowledges this. Um, it is oh. okay. First of all, what a cool thing for Abby to find that out, like to be able to trace her history. While she was, you know, meeting people from her past, her family, she was also gaining a gift. She's a seer. Um, And I hope they maybe explore that a little bit more this season. Like, we find out what exactly her powers are. I hope Ichabods are, like, the ability to control himself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, his will probably be really fantastic. We just don't know what his are yet. Um, But... Oh, or do we? Was the whole demon thing, him being able to see the demon, indicative of what Ichabod's power might be? Hmm. I have not thought about this up until right this second, and my brain has just gone, nope, you have used your quota for today. <laughs> okay, well, we'll leave that on the table for okay. maybe when the show just explores it. But I think Abby has the ability to communicate um, and, and see visions. And that was really cool to learn about her. It was it was wonderful to see like black people dressed up. Like again, well done show for not for for telling a part of history that hasn't been traditionally told. Um it was what I feel like there's significance to the fact that the baby was born and the monster popped up and that all of these people were connected together. Yeah. Like and I and some people are speculating that it's like evil, and I'm like, mm, I don't know. Do we have an evil baby? No. P- people tend um, to frown upon evil children, babies. except except in Supernatural, who quite like to use that. But I, th- I think you need to be very careful because you can very easily tread into, I don't know, kind of offensive territory. 
when you're making like children like supernatural did it quite well i'm thinking of just one particularly episode particular episode you know where they did it quite well but if you have them becoming these evil things it just generally makes people feel very uncomfortable i think uh we saw we saw it a wee bit in the episode with the boy from the roanoke and and the girl i think it was very uncomfortable to watch that little girl leading him to his downfall almost because you don't expect that from children. You, children are usually synonymous with innocence. And innocence lost. Yeah. Um, and I think that's when you're dealing with monsters and darkness. I think because we let our guard down. Like like I said, this is kind of why I want Macy in the game. But... Um, I think it would actually do more damage to Katrina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you, like, oh yeah, you were a great witch, and then you had the baby that brought about the apocalypse. Congrats. <laughs> like, <laughs> and and I feel like even this baby storyline wasn't even Katrina's to begin with. Um, it got kind of like taken over yeah. by Ichabod's pride. Um, and so I kind of... I think I just want this baby to be nice because I want for Katrina to have something nice. And more screen Everything time? Was kind of, yeah, yeah, and I think 110, I think 110 is actually doing that. Okay. I saw the promo. Ichabod's confronting her. They're having conversations. Like, I think there's going to be a lot revealed in 110 about this baby and who Katrina was. Um, so I guess we're going to kind of, she's going to get to have this thing as her own. Um, but, you know, you have this wonderful scene at the end of the episode where Ichabod toasts to finding family. Like, they've mended. They are a duo. Yes. Please, Ooh. Ichabod, do not mess this up, buddy. <laughs> Abby, don't mess this up either. <laughs> Please, guys, we're rooting for you. Um, and then you have this Katrina moment where it's like, oh, we're family, but yeah, my baby's evil. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I It's weird. Sometimes I'm very interested to see where they're going with the baby storyline because, you know, I, I, it can't just be for Ichabod development in this episode. There has to be more to it. It can't just be. Although they have brought in characters for single episode <laughs> plot development before, but you know, yes. it's it's a baby. It's Katrina. No, Don't Fox. It's, it's no. Basically, yeah. Don't mess it up. Is basically what we're saying. Yeah. Like you have this wonderful opportunity here. Please don't ruin it <laughs> because you do. You have this fantastic to expand, and also at the same time, I think we're going to learn more about Abby's connection to Grace. Yeah. As Ichabod and Katrina connect, Abby's going to get this connection too. So do this right, please, Ichabod. Pretty please. Oh, so I think we have thoroughly dissected those two episodes I agree I, I always watch them and think oh this is this is pretty you know we'll get through this episode pretty quickly there wasn't much to talk about and then you, when you get into it and, and you, you, you get into the meat of it you're like oh 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 there was so much more to this episode than I originally thought Oh yeah, like, and, and I love I love that about Sleepy Hollow is that the more you watch it the more you catch and you just see all of the 
the creativity and the kind of the brilliance that goes into telling a story. Um, so that's fun. And I like talking about it with you. So that's plus two. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, before we go, we would just like to congratulate the winner. Our giveaway ended on Sunday night. Um, we would like to congratulate the wonderful person who is going to get a poster. Now, I am going to completely butcher your name, so apologies in advance, but it's Jeromine Clodic. Uh, she, she's French. Uh, so the the poster will be winging its way par avion. I think that's airmail. <laughs> By plane. Uh, I rubbish at French. But um, yeah, so she won, and congratulations to her. And we will be back Hopefully, next week. Yes. For, to talk about. <laughs> oh wait, no, we won't. No, we won't because guess what? Surprise! Another hiatus. The episode ten, the last episode that is airing in 2013, is airing December 9th. Oh wait, so we have a week off. Yes. <sighs> <laughs> also, the ratings for this last episode kind of took a plummet. Oh no! Don't tell me that. Yeah, I think it's. I think they hit a low with the two point two. Oh. It was. It's complicated, and there's tons of reasons why it could have happened. All I'm saying is, Fox, don't mess this. I will come for you. I think. I think the off season, and I mean off season between season one and season two, which is going to kill us. But I think the off season will be very telling because a lot of shows pick up watchers uh-huh. in their hiatus. I think the biggest example of this was Teen Wolf Teen Wolf hardly anybody well not hardly anybody obviously but you know they had a very moderate listener or listener watcher base for the first series and then it just exploded in season two yeah it was crazy so Fox get it online get it on Hulu get it on Netflix don't play around we ain't got time for this (laughs) we need seven seasons do the thing do the thing, Fox. Listen to us. You need to make this thing <laughs> readily available. It is just popular enough to be filtering into everyone's dashboards at some point. So, I mean, that's how I started watching Teen Wolf. I kept seeing these gift sets and being like, huh, this looks interesting. And that's how I, I started watching Sleepy Hollow as well. It was through gift sets of, hmm, hot British <laughs> I stayed for the. I came for the hot. I stayed for the sass. A quote from our first <laughs> episode. Oh, and not man. just the sass. The sa- sash. No, not just the sass. I came for the awesome that we discuss weekly. I just or yeah, as weekly yeah. as we can. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> I just keep going back to like seeing Tom Meissen as like about it. it was the strangest thing it was the most beautiful and the strangest thing <laughs> because I've seen Nicole like I've seen her come out and Abby but I was like Tom and Ichabod are so drastically different like <laughs> it was just like whoa it felt like that wall was broken <laughs> and I was like whoa Tom's under there he's a living breathing thing <laughs> he's a real boy <laughs> Yeah. Oh dear! I think I think it's time for me to go to bed. <laughs> even though <laughs> even though it's only eight o'clock 
on a Friday night. (laughs) (sighs) Yes. So, um, yes. So if you want to comment on any of the things we've talked about today, there was a lot for you to join in on because we made our way through two episodes. So if you want to email us, you can email us at welcome to sleepy hollow at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at WTSH podcast and our Tumblr is welcome to sleepy hollow.tumblr.com. And if you listen to us on iTunes, why don't you leave us a review? We would really appreciate it and it helps other people who are also fans of Sleepy Hollow find us and maybe they'd like us as much as you do. Well, we hope you like us. I think that's a bit a bit premature to say that you like us. But... <laughs> please like us. <laughs> please, please. We like talking about it. We, do, we hope you like listening yeah. about us talking about it. Yeah. And if you have like differing opinions, yeah. please share them. We love to talk about it. I love this is my favorite part about fandom is that I get to talk and then all of the people tell me about all the other things that they see and I go, Oh man, I was so wrong. This is really great. Yeah, I mean so. before we started podcasting together I was like, Oh no, what what if we disagree? What if she doesn't like the things I say? But then <laughs> You know, most of the things we do tend to agree on, but the other, the odd thing that we don't, it just it adds to the conversation. So, yeah. if you if you think everything we say is wrong, tell us. <laughs> just just be like, bitches, you'll be wrong. <laughs> right in the ass box. Ask box. Right in there. Email. Yeah. Twitter. Anywhere. All the places. Hit us up. That is an American phrase. I know. It is. <laughs> I watch too much American TV. <laughs> It's okay. I was saying some. I was saying like bloody, and then I was also saying like there were things that I was saying because I watch Misfits. Oh, <laughs> Ke- that I picked up on Robert Sheenan. Oh yeah, I okay. This is not the podcast to be talking about. We should just go. We should just go. Okay, we can talk about this later. Okay, <laughs> for our Misfits podcast, tune in too. <laughs> okay Abby it's been fun another episode I will see you in two weeks time to discuss episode 10 do you know the title of episode 10 I'm such a bad fan look I I do promo photos for it and I write reviews every week and I don't even know okay so we'll just say 10 episode 10 (laughs) Awesome. We will see you for episode 10. Bye. Bye. Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? We got some things to do now. Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you?